Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. Baby, it's that time of year again. Time to roll out and then get it in. Cause the sun is outside beaming. It's beaming. And every day feels like the weekend. You know who it is. This is the Mic Drop Podcast, and I'm your host, Delvin Cox. And as always, I am with my man, my brother. I am Vision. Say what's up, brother. What is good, people? How are you doing today? I hope everybody's out there really good right now. Our topic for the day is mental health among men and why is it almost a taboo thing. The reason I want to bring up this topic is because a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you heard this story about Kid Cudi. I didn't hear the story. What happened? Okay. Kid Cudi checked himself into a mental hospital after having a breakdown, a, mental, a breakdown on Twitter. Cause he, he basically, basically he was saying this. Let me go find the article. What he exactly said. First thing that happened was he went on. He, he went off on Kanye and Drake about them writing lyrics and stuff, saying how he's quitting hip hop and all this stuff. And then later on, he tweeted that he has issues and he was putting himself in a mental institution to get help. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's one side of the story. The other side is, now while Kit Cuddy's in a mental hospital right now seeking help, Drake decides to take it upon himself to release a diss track called Two birds with one stone, dissing Kid Cudi, and um, who else? Who was the second person with this? Trying to think who was the second person with this. Pusha T, and the track he's mocking Kid Cudi because he's in a mental hospital right now. And my issue isn't necessarily with the diss track, even though I think it's kind of tacky to do the track while a man is in the hospital, he can't fit for himself. My mm. issue is. Why, when it comes in terms of black men, is mental health looked on so lightly? Why do we mm. kind of frown upon mental health? That's a good question. That's a good topic as well. Yeah. What do you what what um what take do you have on that? It's a fascinating thing because our culture. In terms of black people, I don't see it as much with other cultures. Well, Spanish people too, too, to a degree also. We are very prideful and don't like to ask for help. We don't like to ask for help. We don't want to at any point in time admit weakness. So when you have people out there who are, who actually need help, they don't go look for it. Or they, if they look for it, they look for it in other ways in terms of like they go towards drugs 
or go towards a bottle. Things like that. And it's a big problem where you have African-American men who have mental health issues and mental problems and they don't feel like they can get help because they get mocked for it. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I can't speak for everyone. Every man. Um, okay. So, best I can do is I guess I testify. So, I have mental health issues, if you want to call it that. Because um, I go through depressions and things of that sort. There's two... Well, three monumental periods in my life where I realized I had some kind of an issue with depression. I guess the third scenario is when I realized that, okay, wow, maybe I am a head case. But the first scenario would be um, the first divorce, being separated from what I thought was my first child at that time and how it went down. It led to me being depressed. So my way of handling the depression when we separated and I moved to Maryland when I was staying with Stick Stickly. <laughs> um, I drank more. I worked hard. As, I don't know what, because I was doing a roofing, but I drank more. I smoked cigarettes. Like I did a lot of things to try to keep what I was going through off of my mind. I recorded albums, because that's when I recorded the album, The Great Depression, and a few other ones, hence the name, The Great Depression. Like, what led to me being in such a depressed state and so emotionally unstable. Um, and I think I dealt with it okay at that time, being 25, but I could have dealt with it better if I would have actually had someone I trusted, I guess, be it a mental health professional, whoever, that I was able to talk to about what I was dealing with. But at that time, I didn't. So I kind of dealt with things the way I dealt with it. And then I ended up into the second monumental depressed point because if I would have taken time to find a more constructive way to deal with that pain of that divorce and how that went and that separation, I wouldn't have been married so quick the second time because then it's like almost... Six months later, I was in another marriage. So I never recovered from the damage of the first. And then things appeared good, you know, whatever the case be. And then boom, same issues that happened in the first happened in the second and worse. So now my depressions led me more to unstable thoughts, violent thoughts, things I didn't get to act out on, thank God, because it could have been acted out on for the things that went wrong in the marriage. But... I got depressed. So during the marriage, my kids noticed my depression and things of that sort and how it affected me. So then I did try to find more constructive ways because there were little ones around who looked at my influence. So I tried to handle the things I felt a certain way. And for me, both times, pride had nothing to do with it. It's just when you're used to doing things a certain way or dealing with things a certain way, you know, you deal with it how you can. And then it's an unfamiliar territory when you feel weakened as a man to deal with certain emotions that most men are not accustomed to going through or they don't really acknowledge and face. Now, that third time was because of what happened in this marriage when I ended up homeless. And that was like my ultimate 
ground of depression because from the homeless state to everything before I'm processing everything. So now I'm feeling like every complete thing that went wrong is completely my fault. And then it was trying to like, okay, who can I talk to? And then along this route, I had a few people in my music group in Maryland, like my man T that I was living with in Baltimore. Um, my man, the young dude, Rez, a few people who were really in my corner. Of course, my family was too, but at a distance. You feel, you feel alone, even though you know you got them at a distance, you still feel like you're going through it on your own. But in this case, I had people where I may not have talked about every issue, but I was able to begin releasing some of the torment that was, I guess, so to speak. And... And then, like, taking that homeless phase and even coming into when I came back down here, where I finally was a homeless, I got on my feet, things were looking up, I had a job, you know, things were good, and boom, I blew my Achilles. So I go from being a man that's used to always using his feet and his hands to make his way and provide to a year laid up, injured. Now I'm really, like, going through thoughts, because now it's like, how do I do what I once did again when I'm not able to do it? So it just got me to think differently. And then they ended up giving me a psychiatrist at the VA because of the PTSD stuff and everything. So that was the first time I actually began to understand how to release certain things that I didn't even let go of, even from back when I was in the service. So then I was able to kind of see a little different reaction. Like I noticed I got a lot, a lot less hostile. I was a little more patient. Um, things of that sort, like I was able to cope with the depression. And like I said, for me, it, it, it wasn't pride. It's just if you are, I guess, geared a certain way, you know, how you're raised, experiences, everything, give you a certain way, then you deal with things a certain way. Now, I have met some in where pride has been a very big issue. But for me, that wasn't the issue. It was just the first step of how to. And that how-to can go so many ways, like how how to how to seek the right help, how to seek the right people or a person to talk to. Like everything becomes a how-to, and and it's a different it's a different world as a man being depressed. Like I don't know how a woman feels being depressed, but I know that we all process it differently and. A lot of men, yeah, pride can be an issue, but I don't think that's the overall. It's more of a how-to. When the world looks at you one way, how-to. How do you cope with this? How to deal with this? Because as black men, we already have stipulations against us mounted mountains high (laughs) already. And everybody would swear up and down that black men are very prideful. But everywhere I've been, that's not how I see it. I don't know how the world sees it, but that's not how I see it. And it's not that pride doesn't play a part. Pride plays a part to a degree. But for men, at least like me, it's more of a, you want to reach out. But then when you feel you reach out and you get nothing in return, or all you get back is bad, it's like, well, what's the point of reaching out? Let me find a way to deal with this. And then those who can't deal with it, they end up going off the deep end and doing something outrageous and crazy where people be like, oh, you know, I never saw this coming, and da-da-da. 
I mean, of course not, because the brother didn't know how to reach out or you wasn't reaching back appropriately, so this is the response. And it's not always the case. You know, it's not always the case, but I really don't think pride is a big part. I think society and how we're viewed plays a big part. And that's what I want to talk about. Because if a person is on drugs, people have sympathy for that person. They tell them, hey, go get help. You can go to these places to go get help, get on rehab, stuff like that. If Mm -hmm. a person is alcoholic, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But if a person is mentally sick, it doesn't necessarily have to be crazy. Yeah. Just just depressed. They just the general consensus people tell you is oh, suck it up. Things will get better. But what if things don't get better? What if you feel like things aren't getting better for you? Then what are you to do? Yeah. And that's the problem I have with issues where people kind of mock it and be like, oh, just suck it up. It's not a big deal. Cause Drake was wrong for that. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, I know it's. I know how the industry goes, but yeah, man, you know that mental health thing is. It's that's a that's just deep, man. <laughs> it's deep. And you know that. Yeah. For what I've been reading, the internet is kind of split on it, where half people are like, oh, it's just hip hop, toughened up, and other half like, you know what, it's mental health. You know, this guy was just talking about a month ago on the internet talking about killing himself. You don't want to. Go down that road with people. When people start talking about killing themselves, one to it comes to a point where hip hop is hip hop and real life is real life. If this man is really talking about killing himself, how serious is your rap beef? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, that's that's disappointing. <laughs> and that that and then looking seeing you bringing that up, look look where. Music is not even like <laughs> people. People address these issues growing up in music, and now this is taken so lightly. And like, would you telling me that and bringing that story up? Like, how would the hip hop world feel if, let's say, you know, God forbid, this man actually actually friggin' you know comes out from wherever he's at and things aren't better for him, and this man kills himself. That's then how is everybody going to feel? That's my whole point. And, it, and the sad thing is when a person's depressed and they feel a certain way and whoever you feel should be in your corner isn't in your corner, whatever it is you say and whatever it is you're thinking, there's a very high possibility of you doing it when you feel like, oh, this is how people feel. Because <laughs> when you're depressed, you ain't even thinking about how you feel. You more worried about opinions, like opinions and everything kind of hurt a little more when you're in a depressed state because you're already feeling defeated. So the crazy thing about it is it was another situation like this, not even almost a month ago. That's messed up. The same, it wasn't with Kid Cudi. I think the same day Tommy Ford died, Adrian Broner was on Twitter Counting down to him blowing his brains out. He was like, at 3 o'clock, I'm going to kill myself. I'm done with this world. It's over. I don't want to do this no more. And unfortunately, police came and stopped him. And he's supposed to be getting help now, but that's a serious issue. He's a young black man. He's a boxer. You think he was a, a champ at one point? But when you have young black men yeah, with a lot of money trying to kill themselves, brother needs help. 
then you don't know what they're going through in the world that they're in. Even though they're successful, you don't know what that success came with. You don't know what torment these people are carrying just to be where they are in life. So depression should not ever be taken lightly because depression leads to homicidal, suicidal, and genocidal actions. When a person feels out of place, outcasted, doesn't belong, um, depressed, anxious, like all of these, all of these emotions are all embodied into depression and different other states of emotional unbalance. So you don't ever want to push a person to the edge that's already off the edge. <laughs> yes. Because it's like, you 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 you're not gonna have a good scenario at the end of it. That's that's sad, man. Yeah. That's sad. And people go through these type of problems every day. Every day there's people out there killing themselves, young girls out there being shamed, slut shamed, fat shamed. Then they go on Facebook saying I'm gonna kill myself, then they actually do it. Stories out like like this out every day. But we don't have the courage to sit like and say, you know what, mental health is an issue, not just for black men, not just for black women, for everybody. And people need to take it more seriously. Yeah. I know, as being a veteran, man, a lot of vets go through a lot of depressions, especially ones who've been in war or conflict of any type. Like, to lose friends in battle, like r real friends, people you were close with, people you vibe with every day. Um, cops go through it, I'm sure. Um, it's, there's gotta be something that can be done to really raise the awareness of how serious depression is. Cause like, I feel like you feel like a lot of people, and it's not even just in the hip hop culture, just when you look at these commercials, there's not much emphasis being put in these commercials that should really drive the attention to the fact that depression is a problem. Because depression is a key to a lot of criminal mischief, a key to a lot of bad things that happen in society, all because a person feels depressed. And for what reasons they're depressed is also important. And if a person doesn't feel they can talk, then the only other thing there is to do is act. And the actions of a depressed person is never, never really going to be a positive action if they can't talk about it or find a way to address the issue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. As a person, I'm not naturally a depressed person, but I've had moments in my life where I've been really low, and I wish when I had those moments, I had somebody to sit there and talk to me like, hey, it's going to be all right. You're going to pull through it. Because when you get really low and people don't really talk about it a lot, your mind goes to dark places. And those are places mm -hmm. that I wouldn't wish on nobody to go to. That's why I always take depression very seriously. I've had people I've talked to who were friends who called me. I talked them off the list from trying to kill themselves. And stuff like that. It's not a fun thing to do. It's not a fun conversation to have. No, it's not. That did get me too, because I used to talk people out of the craziest of thoughts. But then when I was going through it, I guess people wanted to talk. 
but I wasn't seeing it that way because of what, what place I was in and then why I was in the place I was in. So people were reaching and instead of me reaching back, I was blocking because I guess the way I looked at how the tables had turned, where I went from being the help and the one giving the advice to now, everything I told everybody, I don't need nobody to tell me. I need to take in what I told everybody and try to find a way to make this fit for me now that I'm in this place. So me saying that is, I guess, my way of apologizing to people that I blocked out when I was going through, because to be honest, I'm one of them people when I'm going through, I really don't want to hear nothing cliche. And a lot of times, especially growing up in church, you get a lot of cliche things. And when you're in that real ultimate place of depression or that darkness, like anything can set you off. And for me, it was hearing some cliche things that would set me off. See, when my parents would say it, it was different because they raised me. So certain things they say I know wasn't cliche. This was just in their spirit to say to me because they've always said it. But then if I hear from somebody else, I didn't see it as a confirmation or this is someone else in agreement with my family that don't know it. I look at it as, oh, here you go with the same old shit somebody else would say. I don't want to hear that shit. And that's really how my mentality was because it's like if you – really showing you for me, then be genuine, say something genuine, say something authentic, say something I know that lets me know you actually give a damn that I'm about to put this bullet in my brain. <laughs> like, you want to hear something genuine when you're in that real dark place. You don't want to hear something that you know is said to everybody at any given time for the same situation. At least that was me. And I know some of the brothers that was around me were the same way. So when I, when I would talk to them, I wouldn't talk and say something cliche. I would say something that fits to the personality of the brother I'm talking to. Because I had a lot of brothers in this music business up in the Northeast, especially, that went through depressions, dealing with baby mamas, ex-wives, you know, and, and most of their depression was the same as mine. It was a separation from their children or a separation from what they thought was real, things like that. So because I was in that way, in that scenario myself, I was able to like relate to these guys so I was able to talk them out of it and maybe talking them out of it is what helped me to come out of it because I had to reflect on how I helped this brother or how I helped this brother or how I helped this brother and they went through the same thing as me so now that I'm in this place think about what you said to them and you know address it to yourself now but that still wasn't good enough if I had somebody to talk to I would have dealt with it a lot better I still think I came out okay considering, but having someone to talk to when you are depressed is very important. And it can't just be anybody, somebody that it has to be a loved one, someone you trust, a professional, if you feel comfortable with professional helping you with that. Talking is very important. And I did a song called Talk. And in parenthesis, it's called depression. It's up on my reverb nation because those were thoughts I went through as a depressed person. And the hook is like a mantra that I used to use when I played basketball, football, ran track, and even when I was in basic training when I didn't think I would make it through basic. And I don't, I don't, I'm trying to see if I can remember the hook verbatim, but it was, uh, you could do it, man. You could do it. It's something like that. Um, but, but basically, it's like a encouraging yourself to push through. What was it? You can do it, girl. 
Okay, yeah. You can do it, girl. You can do it, man. If it can be done by anybody, I know you can. So, like, that's the hook. That's simple. Funny, I can't remember my hook, right? Yeah. <laughs> but when I made that song, I made that song thinking, because that's on that project I told you about, the All I Gotta Save project, because depression is something I had to address on this project as to why, if my kids wonder, Man, I don't hear from daddy like that, this, that, and the third. I know I got teenagers. So knowing how teenagers are, especially once they hit their adolescence, they not think about mommy and daddy like that because they, they they just in the beginning of their life. Not that they not thinking about you like that, but the chances of them calling you, you know how that goes. So, so I hear from them when I hear from them. But when I did that song and when I do this album, it's letting them know, like, not once are you away from my thoughts and things like that. And the things that led to your dad being the way he is, like life can be depressing. Talk about it, address the issues. So that's why I call that particular track, Talk, and then parenthesis depression, because me being able to talk about some of the things I've held for so long has enabled me to be a little more patient, be a little more loving, be a little more caring, be a little more attentive, Everything that's important because men have emotions too and men need to know that. It's okay to cry, you know, not whine and complain, but it's all right to cry. It's all right to address the issue. It's okay to feel hurt and learn how to deal with it again. It's okay to feel your heart has been broken, shattered, and torn and then go through the process of somebody coming and helping you pick the pieces back up together and showing you that there is somebody who cares, things of that sort. So being a man, don't be hope, don't hide your emotions and all of that. Like you ain't gotta be all extra sensitive with it, but you, you know, you gotta put that pride back, put that ego down and realize like unity, for unity to happen amongst men, amongst women, amongst us all, you have to realize that emotions are something we all go through. We all process different. And your best bet to get over issues that are, you know, downing, you know, can bring low self-esteem and things of that sort is to talk about it. Find a way to talk about it to somebody, somebody out there care about you. You know, when you're in that state, you think they don't. Somebody out there cares about you. You know, some it may not even be family, but somebody care about you around you in your circle. There's some true, genuine people in your circle. Figure it out who they are and talk about it. I don't really feel no one's ever truly, completely alone, but it's easy to feel that way when life got you where it got you. And there's somebody who really gives a damn about you, somebody who loves you beyond your own comprehension that you wouldn't even expect loves you like that, that will hear what you got to say and genuinely give you good advice. But you got to you gotta fill them out. Don't sit there and try to deal with that shit on your own. Because like I said in, in the song, like it'll kill you in the end. <laughs> trying to deal with it on your own, it'll kill you in the end. So look for help, man. Kill you in more ways than you think you can, cause it doesn't only kill you mentally, but when you're depressed, it breaks down your body. Yeah, you get sick, man. You, get sick. <laughs> you really do get sick. You, you go through some things. <laughs> you get sick. 
you can start getting tumors and ulcers. Yeah. One of those things people Cancer. always say is, you can bring on your problems. If you, if you start talking that you're sick, you can speak that on yourself. I'm a yeah. real believer in that. People who constantly sit there and talk about being sick, usually are the ones who always get sick. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, with depression, I think we have to find a middle ground where we can find people who can actually help. There needs to be more of a outreach to people who have depression. There's also diets that help with that too, because you think like the saying you are what you eat. A lot of things contribute to the chemical process of how we think and how we process emotions too. Because everything that happens in our body is chemical. It's all a chemical reaction from the brain to the feet. Everything is a chemical reaction within this body. So things that you take in as well, um, things you drink, things you eat, things you smoke, um, things that you take in foreign can also affect your state of thought as well, which is the leading thing with depression is the state of thought. Depression all begins in your head and how you process and things, and then it affects everything else in the body. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of that, you really got to, it's not just about talking about it, it's also your fitness, um, what you eat. I mean, so much plays a part, but it all begins with the thoughts as well, so... Yeah, man. You brought up a good point. Fitness. That's one of the ways you can kind of fight off depression. Get socially reactive. You know, do things. Get yourself out of the house. That's one of the things I do when I get depressed. Find, get myself out the house. Do something the to social, keep my mind. Social media should not be the first thing you want to touch or deal with when you're depressed. Because people are trolling out there. So, putting out there that you're depressed, you know... Oh, you're going to do this, do that. Don't depend on social media to save you. <laughs> yes. Because it hasn't saved a lot of people in these past few years. A lot of people have gotten on social media and, and off themselves. So There are several videos media. with people killing themselves on the internet. Yeah. It was one, yeah. I think, last month where a guy, I think he was the Arab guy. If that I is correct. so scary, too, man. He was talking about his girlfriend breaking up with him. He was on Facebook Live. He literally took the gun to his head and pulled the trigger and killed himself. Right on Facebook Live for everybody to see. And these are things, and just think about it like this. People always say, oh, if you kill yourself, you're a coward. I don't think that at all. You, no, no. you have to literally be at your last legs if you're willing to sit there and take a gun or anything and put it to your head and pull the trigger. I don't think I can. I don't think I can do it. That is something that's. Uh, I'm glad I didn't succeed doing it because I played Russian roulette, <laughs> so I, I know I know where that dark thought comes from. Would I ever do it again? I have too many things that I look at now that no matter what I lost, I feel more blessed that I lost what I lost now, and it, and it didn't really factor to me until about. Yesterday, maybe even two days ago, when I had this conversation with um, with my girl, and I was thinking like, um, wow, I never thought about it all like that. 
and you know that your presence blesses people and you know things of that sort like you overlook so much when you focus so much on what you lost and it's not sometimes it's not even a focus on what you lost it's just the thought comes across your mind like what if this could happen again especially as a man when it comes to marriages because yes some people will say it's balanced today but a lot of men always end up having to start over because they lose everything in the marriage and I lost everything twice in both marriages the only difference is this time I won up because I got my daughter and to me that was worth everything I lost in the marriage so when I look back it wasn't that I'm looking back on what I lost per se completely in the marriage, but it's just, damn, it happened again. <laughs> that's really what, that's really more where my mind is at, like, damn, it happened again. So if this, ha if this is always going to be the outcome, what is the point? You know, but it starts to feel like that, but then it's just, you have to look at your decision you made, like, why did you not screen this person good? Who are you attracting on top of that? What about you is attracting these wrong individuals? It makes you do a reevaluation of yourself and you have to redevelop and retrain yourself and then look at where you went wrong and think, okay, I have, a, I have to be a better judge of character. Most important, my character. Does, does this person bring the best out of me? Does this person not bring the best out of me? If they bring the best out of me, are they the best for me? You know, you look at different things that that actually matter versus being so gullible, I want to say, because men can be gullible too. So, there's so many ways to look at it, but there's so many ways to also make better decisions that won't lead to that depressed state. And fitness is a big part because I feel like what the military did with us with basic training how they trained us, waking up so early in the morning, working out like that, getting the blood flowing, you know, it, it, it's energizing to the body. You're going through a different type of high because of the, the energy that's being sent off throughout your body from your brain down from exercising. So then when we started our work days, like, we weren't sluggish. We were productive. It was easy to go all day. Just because we started off with fitness in the morning, then we ate breakfast, and then boom, now the day starts. So I noticed in my life when I when I work out and I start my day, those times I have that strength and I do that, I have great days. Even though I may take a nap because I'm older, <laughs> I have great days. But um, those is a lot of days I haven't done it, being caught in the routine, you know, having a child, having a child, being family, things like that. You get caught in different routines that take you away from routines you were used to. And I noticed me not doing that over so many years, especially after I got out of the military, it did make a difference on how my days went. So, like, now the job I have, I work in the warehouse, but it's like all day long is a workout. So my body is stressed, it's tense, because I'm always working out. But the way my mind feels is like, ah. <laughs> Because my job is like, I get paid to be in shape, basically. <laughs> so it's kind of like, wow. I feel tired, but mentally I feel better. And some people will be like, well, maybe it's because you're being productive. You know, you're able to work again because after the Achilles injury, I wasn't able to do anything. And I'm like, I don't think it's that work. It's what I'm doing at the moment. Yes, it's exhausting my body, but how my mind feels is like, 
I'm not able to really feel so stressed because the way I'm manhandling these boxes at work and all of this, it feels like sitting up under that weight and pushing weights and lifting weights. So the endorphins being released for me is like all day long because I'm bringing the food that I need to supplement the energy that I'm losing. So it's like a constant burn of negative energy. So the endorphins are like all day long for me. So by the time I get off, yeah, I'm ready to crash. <laughs> I'll be ready to crash. I don't have time to feel depressed because I feel like, wow. And then I see the difference because I'm 200 even now. So like the weight I'm losing is making me feel like I feel better. So it's like the depressions I was going through prior to even my child support hearing and everything like that, just like walking out of those courtrooms and having the job and working out and these endorphins I'm feeling every day, I feel different. So depression, nah, I don't feel that. Stress, I really don't feel that. Deturbed, maybe, at certain things, but then it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like a neck. <laughs> it's not like it used to feel if that makes any sense. Makes perfect sense. What advice would you give to someone who is dealing with somebody who has depression? Like, for example, let's say a wife whose husband is very depressed. What would you tell them to do to help him? What would you have liked to heard from your significant other when you were going through it that you didn't get? Because you clearly didn't get it from them. That's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Um, the main thing first and foremost um, when you said it the way you just said it, it for me what would have worked was when you ask your questions or when you talk like genuinely be concerned because this is your spouse this is the person you're supposed to love until death do you part or better or worse, sickness and health, all of that stuff. The same thing you would want if it were you do that for them. Yes. For, for them are each other's best friends. You are supposed to be each other's only best friends. Everything outside of that is just extra, but you two are an exclusive type of friendship. So if, if, your, uh, if your significant other's depressed and you can't pick it up, then that's a question mark on you because you're not even in tune with one another's needs, in my opinion. So you should be in tune, first of all. Know how to talk to each other when each other is in whatever state that is because that is very important. You are the first line of defense towards depression. And if you're not a husband and wife and your boyfriend and girlfriend and your exclusive or fiance is like you on that commitment level, like you should be in tune with one another where you should know your significant other is down and you need to pray because I believe prayer is a very big difference maker on how to address the issue. Don't just go willy-nilly thinking that you can say anything and it should be fine. You should be so in tune with each other spiritually on a spiritual plane that you can pick this up and with the correct divine guidance that you can address the issue and help your loved one out. Because if, if the loved ones can't be that first line of defense against depression, then it's going to be hard for that person to find resolve with somebody outside of some 
outside of you when it should be found within you. And that's what I love about where I am now in my life with the new relationship because it's it's different. It's the connection is different. There's a it's not just a natural connection. It's more divine and spiritual than anything else because anything said to me from her doesn't feel like it felt with other relationships. It feels more constructive and more to help and more to help develop. And then that enables me to be the same with her, which I'm going to be that way anyway. But to see it reciprocated both ways the same is a unique thing because especially in African-American culture, the way we're looked at in relationships, everybody assumes all the men cheat. Everybody assumes all the women are whores. Like the view we have is so freaking jacked up. It's jacked up. And fighting depression, fighting any kind of stress first begins with if you're in a committed relationship, how you two interact with one another when one or the other is going through whatever they're going through is vital. It is very vital. And if it can't be addressed and corrected or or worked on at that level, then outside of that, it's going to be hard for you to find it in, in another life. And some may not be able to, if you can't talk to your significant other, like you, you need to work on that because you shouldn't really be finding any, any um, comfort outside of what you got. That's first and foremost. So I'm not even going to say, well, you know, what if some people can't, you know, if you're in a committed relationship, I'm sorry, there's no excuse. Y'all should be able to share everything. So I'm not even going to sit here and give you an excuse like, well, you know, maybe some people, you know, grew up, like, how you grew up, I'm just going to give it to you real. Y'all together, it should be able to be worked on at that level. If it can't, reevaluate your relationship. Because that's what for better or worse is. That's what sickness and health is, because depression brings sickness and health. And it would have made a difference if I would have saw my significant other in the hospital when I ended up in the hospital with anxiety attacks and everything like that. But I saw everybody else in the hospital but her. So that didn't help my my thought process because that was, for better or worse, sickness and health. I was there for yours, but you weren't there for mine. So, like, that played with my head. So no excuses. If you're committed, you with one another, you claim you love one another, you talk about spending your life with one another, it begins right there. You are each other's help me. If it has to go outside of that, reevaluate your relationship, reevaluate your commitment. Because anything else said is an excuse to bring discord. And if it's all about unity and it's all about love, then it begins with you two. Straight up. That's all I can really say about that. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But that's why that's what I feel. Well said. Well said. With that said, what can the African American community do to get rid of this stigma of a black man being too strong to ask for help? Wow. 
how can we help people? American community do. Yeah. How can we help people who need help who have these mental health issues? Now, this is not necessarily only a black problem, but you see it happen a lot yeah, with black. Black people tend to hold everything in, and it needs to be. I a, don't know. Um, I guess within communities. Um, leaders, certain um, local municipalities or, you know, political leaders or not even them, it could just be in the community. Somebody needs to step up in each community. Excuse me. And maybe we need to have a Q&A session or some type of convention, some way you can get people to come. You know, you got to come up with a creative way to get people to come. Um, because if you, if you, if you make it accessible and you promote it right, marketing is very good. You got to be effective. It could, it could, it could do something, but it can't just start like, cause I was going to say it could be something we could start, but it can become overwhelming because the community, it all depends on how large the community is. And to be honest, it needs to be something initiated in each individual community by people who know that this is a necessary need to address and just sit and have powwows or some kind of gatherings for people who go through depressions and things of that sort and just, you know, sit, give testimonies, minister to one another. Minister doesn't mean on a church on a church level. It just means advice, talk, get together, see you're not alone, things of that sort. Be with people of a, a like mind and encourage one another, empower one another through this this serious illness that causes many other serious illnesses. Because I'm dealing with the thyroid issue with cancer and stuff like that, and it could be all stress and everything. But I ain't worried about it. You know, I ain't gonna get that no energy like that. And things like this need to be addressed so people don't go through some of these type of issues and things of that sort. So that would probably be the best way because this has to be something that is done individually by people who know this is an issue. You know, Trinity Fly said it the best a couple episodes back when she was like, where are the pastors? This is things that they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to give back to the community. They're supposed to be talking to young men about issues like this. Yeah, they are supposed to. And in today's world, We're not I feel the same way. But I'm not going to even sit here and address it to the church because what power does the church have today from what we see? At the end of the day, church is business. And I don't mean to make anybody feel no way about it, but it's, it's what it is. At the end of the day, it's business. Church is business, no matter how you want to put it. You can say you're in the business of saving lives, you're in the business of delivering, like whatever you want to call it, but it's a business. And knowing that and seeing how people view churches today, because people run from God now because of how churches are. So I'm not even going to talk about that. The power has to go into the hands of the community because the church, I don't even want to talk about that. We talked about that enough. <laughs> yeah, I feel we the same way. way. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like that too. Like, where are they? But I know where they are. So there is no point in me worrying about that. We have to put this power back in our hands. We have to do something about this as a people, as a community itself. Not looking to the church and anything of that sort. 
and then maybe maybe we can give a good example that the church will follow. You know, I don't know. That's hopeful vision, maybe. I guess I don't know. But um, I never. Every time when I look at issues in the world, I don't even worry about that because I grew up in church. I saw things that I saw the wrong way, and I figure, okay, there's got to be a better way to do things. Not this way. Not the way these politicians do it. There has to be a better ground. There has to be a better way to initiate this. And there are people out there who think like us. And maybe we all need to find a way to contact one another and see what we can do. And, you know, doing these podcasts, this makes it possible because people hear what we talk about, what's important to us. And, you know, you never know. The right person may hit a podcast. And before you know it, something can be initiated that hopefully can spread like a franchise or wildfire, um, wildfire, excuse me, to help people. Because the power is in us. We are the church, if we get technical. But that's another show when we get on that spiritual vibe. Right now we are on, you know, what it takes to get help. <laughs> what this mental health thing. So since you took the church away, where else can the people go? We, we, we'll we save that for another Fine, show. Because no. <laughs> I didn't take the church away. The church took itself away. Where is the institute at this time right now? If someone who's got mental health issues to go to, where is there to go? If you can't go to the church right now, and you can say the community, well, who in the community do you go to for your mental health issues? There's nonprofit organizations, you can say them. But then what institute do you have other than the church? Because the church is supposed to be a house where the community can meet together to have unification for to 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 grow, to expand, to be able to say, hey, I have mental problems, hey, I have marriage problems, hey, I have financial problems. So if it is not the church. Me me not being specific, okay? Yes, there are nonprofits you can go to. But I don't want to get into all of that because I went to the church for help. And I've seen people go to the church for help. But, and I've seen what happened as a result. So I understand where you're coming from. But let's talk but about that nonprofit for a second. See, the problem with that is a lot of black men don't even want to go there because they feel like they're asking for help. They don't but see, wanna, they don't I'm not even, when I say that, I'm not even just talking about black men because I didn't have a problem. And a lot of black men I see didn't have a problem. But I've seen the church even take advantage of women. So this is not about just black men. When I talk about the church, this is both ways. Yes. And I've seen how the church treat people who come who really need help. And you have to be, and then there's stipulations. You have to be a member and you have to do this and you have to do this. So I really don't want to get into that right now because that's a whole nother show. And I don't have a good taste in my mouth about that topic of conversation. There are churches out there that do help but that is all in finding those nonprofits. Now, like I said, I could have been more specific and said, when I say community, that's what I mean is as in the nonprofits that's available and that's out there that people can be pointed to to get the help. So, like I said, I understand where you're coming from. But then if you get too deep into it, then what happens when these people go to these places and they get turned away? See, I don't want to point a person into a direction they go, they get turned, because I know how that feels, and then I know where that sends your mind then when the church turns you away 
that's supposed to be a place of refuge you can go. And I'm getting emotional talking about it because it hurts. So there are, there are other things out there. She's right. She's right in a lot of ways. She's right. You get to the point where you're like, damn, I can't go nowhere. And it's very frustrating to sit in a situation where you feel like you can't get help for what you need. When I'm sick, I know to go to a doctor. When something's wrong with my teeth, I know to go to a dentist. If I get addicted to drugs, I know I have to go to rehab. But when it comes to like mental health, who do I go to? A psychiatrist? Go to a, go to a rehabilitation center? There's so many different levels of mental health and there's so many different ways people lash out on mental health. You got guys out here beating up their wives because they're depressed. You got people out yeah. here killing themselves because they're depressed. Oh, you got kids out real, here. Real quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let tell him about um, Lifetime, which you was telling me about that. That tell the channel. Oh, okay. So, all right, it's, and it's and, it, and it's actually it connects to one of your previous shows too. Um, you were uh, we were talking about the Michelle A uh, thing on uh, Lifetime, the Michelle A movie with Dr. Dre and um, Shug Knight. Yes. And I, I was watching it and I, I was very I was proud of it, but I looked at it from a different um perspective because I mean 
I've been a woman who's been, you know, I've been in physical relationships where, you know, things have gotten out of hand and stuff. And so I have a point of view of, you know, physical abusive relationships. And I'm looking at the industry that Michelle was in and I'm looking at who she was connected to and, and, and what they were connected to. So, and I, I kind of seen things so different. And when I seen the situation with how she was saying Dr. Dre was physically abusive towards her and so on and so forth. And there was a scene where he like came into the bedroom, they're in the bed, he beats the crap out of her. And he rolls over in the bed and he's bawling out crying himself. And in the scene, it was more so victimizing Michelle A. You know, she's like, and I was scared of him and all this different type of stuff. But not for one moment did anyone sit there and say, oh, my God, it wasn't really Michelle A who needed the help more than anything. It was Dre. And when I seen that scene and I seen that Dre was experiencing a level of depression from God knows what he was experiencing in the musical industry at that time, you know, without going too far and saying, you know, Illuminati, Quincy Jones, and all this different type of stuff. What's in the closet? What's in the closet? Without going too deep, I'm going to simply say that he he was going through something, sacrificing himself, doing a lot of things that were inside yet outside of his character. It was changing him. So in a negative way, and his way of, of, of course, releasing it was on Michelle but in the scenes, all I could see was this man needed so much help. And, you know, many people may not see it like that. When I see Suge Knight, Suge Knight was just a, just a, a big boss. And in that situation, Dre was being bullied by Suge Knight. Dre was getting exposed to God knows what behind the scenes, doing what type of sacrifices to get where he is today and all i saw in that movie was dre needed help more than anybody than any any yeah maybe yeah michelle got her behind whoop yes but i think even more so dre's behind was whooped way more than he was physically putting out and he needed help but you know yeah that's that's how i kind of viewed that mental health situation in that movie that it wasn't just her as the victim, but he also was a victim as well. And people never really take things, what you just said, into account. Because what you no, said is more powerful than we can even put it. A lot of times these guys out here doing stuff like that are the ones who very much well need help. Yeah. Yes, what they're doing is wrong. I completely understand it. There's no reason you should ever hit a woman. There's but, always a catalyst. But you have to find these people help or they're going to get worse and yep. do things worse than hit a woman. Mm -hmm. And I think we take those things for granted. We're just like, oh, he just hit this woman. Let's beat his ass. Let's put him in jail. Sometimes jail is not the answer. Because what, what, what are you going to do when he get out? Beat her again? Mm -hmm. No, he'll do worse. He'll kill her, then he'll go on the run and then kill himself. And if they got kids, kill the kids. Yeah. These 
these are some sick, dark thoughts that people don't want to admit is a reality that people think. Because there was an epidemic of that down here when I first came back home about two years ago. Like, there was a bunch of men just blasting the women and then going on police chases and ending in with them getting blasted. And I, I think I was probably around the same time where trades, well, I'm about to say something so crazy, where the epidemic of undercover homosexuality was, like, serious. And to me, in a lot of situations, you know, um, and I've seen it in numerous situations with, like, men beat up on women, you know, it's not because he hates her or or anything it's because he's having a battle within himself that he does not know how to win and his outlash the way he's reacting is in a physical abusive way and I remember you know a, a great time where there were men you know killing their women and killing themselves and stuff like that and a lot of the back story behind them were men who were dealing with homosexuality in the African-American community amongst their peers or friends and stuff and not knowing how to say, hey, I, I, I love, I, I, you know, I may have a mother to my children and stuff like that, but really I'm into men and finding a way to be accepted in their, in their, in their, in their living with the people they live with on a day-to-day -day basis and the way that they reacted were more so violent because they did not have a way to express or communicate or, or someone to communicate to what they are feeling. You know, that goes back to what, you know, what was being said before, you know, women, if you see your man is broken in any way, shape or form, you know, take that moment seriously to talk. Your, your best friend is the person that you're with, regardless of what happens, how it happens. And as a best friend, if you see your best friend spiraling out of control, your, your, your duty is to seek help, professional help. Yeah, we pray, we get on our hands and knees and pray. But when you really start seeing someone slipping, find professional help. And that's, that, I, that's, I, that I, I don't know how else to stress that. It can really save your life and save that person's life in the long run. Well said. Well said. What else you think contributes to this? I have my other theories of what else contributes to this. And one of those no. things, I think... What, what, what theories do you want to share? Well, one of those things, I will say, is the fact that there's not enough fathers in homes. Mm. <laughs> there's not yeah. enough fathers to tell these guys, hey, it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to hurt. Me being a father to a son, I constantly tell my son all the time that, you know, I don't have a problem with you crying. And you know you know what? Not even cut you off. I'm going to add to that the fathers that are home that are not being fathers like you yes. or 
like I try to be with my daughter. Those fathers who, oh, you you being a faggot, stop crying. Or oh, what's wrong with you? You know, that is not parenting, yo. That, and those are bad seeds you putting in your child. Like, So, you know, just wanted to add that. You finished what you were saying. No, you are absolutely right. <laughs> it's, you don't want to talk down to your child because they're crying. I understand it's a difference between whining and crying because mm. you're hurt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those cries are tears for help. You have to guide them and lead them on a path of, I don't want to say righteousness, but that's what, kind of what it is. You have to show them the right way that, and let them know that how to be a man in terms of like, yo, it's okay to cry. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to show your rage. But when you do these things, to do the right things with them. Don't take the yeah. rage out on women. Be constructive, not Be constructive. destructive. Yes, That's exactly. what I told my daughter. That's a perfect way of putting it. Don't fall in the same traps that many men fall into. Because when you fall in those traps, that's when those dark thoughts come. That's when you start hitting your wife. That's when you start attacking your kids. That's when you have guys out there doing things that they know damn well they shouldn't be doing. That's when you have guys who didn't have fathers. And they say, okay, you know what? I don't have any way to make money, so I'm going to hit these streets. A lot of those things that we have in our communities and in a lot of communities is because that father figure is no longer there. You have a mother that's trying to be a mother and a father, and it's not easy. It's not easy being a father. Just a father alone than a person being a mother and a father. And I tell people all the time, kids need both of their parents. I don't know why people have this idea that a mother can raise their kids and do all these things, but a father is just as important. And people kind of take that for granted. A lot of these girls out here who have these issues, a lot of times it gets because they don't have a father around to help them. Their and father so, figures so, not So there. fathers know girls can become criminals and kingpins and murderers too. Just Very so you so. know. Very much so. Because I know when I was up in the Northeast, I met a lot of women who were trying to be men, but yo, they, they held it down in the streets just like a man would. So don't think your daughters will just end up in the strip club or some, some traditional crap you think and they can they can be out there banging heat too. <laughs> so, you know, you don't you don't want that for your, your princess, your queen to turn into that. So that can't happen. So don't get it twisted. And women abuse men too, you know. And that's abuse, not just for women. a very good point that a lot of people don't talk about. Women beat men. It is not a laughing matter. We make jokes about it all the time, but it's serious. It's and that's when you got men who know not they were raised correctly or, you know, whatever in their mind is right. That they don't hit a woman, but yo, you hit me with a pain, you come at me like with intent to do damage, I ain't gonna lie to you. You 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 gonna get it. I didn't really get to find out the full finishing result. But the husband killed the wife and everybody was like on some, you know, she's wonderful. She was she was perfect, she was this, she was that. 
And the guy was like, no, nah, man, she used to beat the crap out of me. You know, every time she would raise her hand to hit me and, you know, pull at my hair and do stuff like that. Eventually, you know, he got tired and fed up and he killed her. And he literally, the, the last I've seen, went through cases and cases of cases, like many court hearings of him, try, him and his attorney trying to defend him in the sense that his wife was abusive. And no, I mean, no one wanted to accept this. And, and, and I was looking at some of the evidence as an outsider looking in and, you know, um, reviewing some of the stuff and, and looking at my own mental state. And I looked at it, I was like, hold up, she, uh, she, she beat on that man for real. And of course she's dead and he's alive and they don't have many police, you know, no domestic, uh, calls with him calling police saying my wife is beating the crap out of me so nine times out of ten he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison for defending himself but you know women beat up on men too but you said something else a very good point just now he he didn't have any phone calls because men do not want to admit that right a lot of men are getting the crap beat out of them but they're not going to admit it simple as that because men have pride. So I think that's something that's in you in you guys. Yeah, that pride, that strength. I can I can stand on my own. I I'm the supporter. I am the provider. I am the man. I am the the beginning. So being that you guys carry that weight in itself to call someone and say, Hey, my woman, my wife is beating the crap out of me. I need some help. See, I remember I got two homeboys this happened to. One from Philly, one from Texas. Both had paper trail on, um, you know, they significant others beating on them, whatever. And what got me with both scenarios, because they both went through the same thing, I, even though they did all of that, pride, they didn't have pride because they had with the significant other. What they went through, and I've seen this happen with my brother one time. This shit is so fucked up. Because I hear all of that pride crap. But how is it when you call the police who are to protect and serve and it's a domestic violence on the woman and the cops standing there laughing, not taking their job serious, and leave. You know, they do their little bullshit report and leave. And every time, you know, you go through this scenario, it'll either be those same two cops or another cop with that same cop, you know, however the case be. But instead of doing their job as if they would for a woman, they're ready to shoot a man for the woman. But they sit there and they laugh when it's a man. So pride, yeah, for some men I could say, okay, maybe pride. But what is it when it's that case, when it's that scenario, when the cop don't want to do their job because they think it's funny because this is a rare case? But this goes to what I was talking about at the top of the episode. People that just like I was saying about mental illness. They take it light. They take it light. And you can't do that. That's my whole point. You can't take a situation like that light. Because this may sound funny when I say it, but it's very much true. I watch the show Deadly Women, and you'll be amazed yeah. at the scenarios that happen to these oh, men. Oh, I know. These men yeah. <laughs> were 
where they get in situations where their wife end up killing them. And a lot of times they get away with it. Sometimes they get away with it. Sometimes they don't. It's amazing how nobody ever finds out until after it happens. They have no clue, even though the guy's probably been showing signs that, hey, this woman's crazy. They have no clue about it until after it happens. Yeah, that was the only reason I said that. Because it's not, pride is never really, that's that's such an easy word to use. And then a lot of the cases, a lot of general cases that has nothing to do with it. It's just, I don't know, but that really just has nothing to do with it. Sometimes it's just fucked up roll of the dice of the cops you get, how the situation plays out. It's, it's ego. It's just, it's just messed up. It's still ego and pride. If it's just ego and pride on the cop side, and they're like, oh, that would never happen to me. This is a grown man. How's he letting this woman beat him up? We got to stop these stereotypes in the sense where we sit there and say, oh, women, a woman can never do that. Yes, a woman can. A man would never do that. Yes, a man can. A man can be depressed. Women can fight. This is not the 50s no women more. Women can fight. Women can shoot. Yeah, women can fight, <laughs> shoot, and kill. You got motherfuckers putting poison in your food for over six, seven months. <laughs> yes. Slowly killing you. I don't see that shit, man. On ID, them crazy shows where they show how, how, <laughs> like that. People just have a many mental, it goes right back to mental health. You know, if she's around there slowly poisoning his food, she has mental problems. She needs to talk to someone. There's something going on deep inside of her that needs to be addressed. Think before you put that arsenic in his food. Yeah. How the hell you don't taste arsenic? Always oh, wanted man. Me. Look at man. Things can be done, bro. Things can be done. Like, <laughs> they just put this food. You don't, you don't need to ask questions like that. And they fruity pebbles every day, and you don't taste it? That's... You ain't seen that episode of Oz, man, where Adam Easy you know, was putting so much glass in um, Shabetta's food, and, they, and over, like, over, I think it was a six-month period, his insides had glass cutting them and everything, and he bled out from the inside. I stopped watching Oz. Too many, too many niggas was getting fucked. Like, Hold up. Oh, this... Oz make you never want to ever go to prison. If you, if you, if you got somebody you like Tom on the boondocks. If you, if you, if you want to scare people straight, let them watch a season of Oz. That'll tell you straight, like, oh no. Don't show them Orange is the New Black. Show them Oz. That, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, Oz is, that's, uh, Orange is the New Black is funny, but yeah, Oz would definitely freak your brain out and remind you how crazy, twisted human beings are. Yes. So it brings right back to that mental health thing. Yeah. You just need to remember to talk to one another. If you, if you can't, if you can't afford to go to a psychiatrist or someone or a therapist or whatever, talk to somebody. I mean, even if it's just some random person... <laughs> On the street, talk to someone. You never know who the universe, I will say, so I don't sound so religious. You never know who the universe may send in your path to help encourage you to be, to do better, to do different, and to live on. Um, despite what it is you're going through, just press on. And I think 
you know, as I'm like, also, as I also listen to both of you guys' story, one of the things that both of you guys did was press on in the times of difficulty. You know, um, you guys were very blessed to have strong minds and strong hearts. And not saying that anyone who's going or experiencing mental health is not strong. You know what I'm saying? To wake up every day and go through the thoughts that you go through and still, and, and at the end of the day, not kill yourself or not kill someone, you are amazingly strong because the mind is quite powerful. And enough repetition of the same thoughts inside of your mind creates a great action. So we have to remember to just talk. And for those of you who are out there who say, I have no one to talk to, no one will listen, well then stand in the freaking mirror and talk to yourself. As crazy as it may sound, but you'll be surprised just sometimes getting those words out of your mouth, out of your body, getting it out can just help you so much. Even if it's just screaming in a pillow or just screaming out loud, just get it out. Because the last thing you want to do is hold it inside, walk outside the door, your neighbor's dog piss on your foot, and then you punch him in the face. And you say, how are you going to piss on my boots and tell me it's raining and snap and going crazy and all that different type of stuff because you didn't take that moment to excel it when you were by yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day, our, you know, mental health sometimes, yeah, we got to trust one another. But to get to that point to say, I want to talk to someone, comes through yourself first. You know, if you don't have anyone around that's going to do an intervention for you and to be on your life, you have to intervene for yourself and recognize, hey, I have a problem. A lot of times I've seen mental health situations and you talk to some of these in individuals who are, you know, extremely violent and stuff. They don't think anything is wrong with them. A lot of times the people who are around them who are a part of their life accepts their abusive behavior. You know, so there are a lot of scenarios and circumstances that are around mental health. Sometimes you have people around people who just enable them to be depressed, push you into depression and then keep you there, you know, and to know to, to that you need to alter your surroundings and stuff, that is a, that is self-recognition that's something that takes within self and building yourself and having positive influence so at the end of the day i guess my best solution advice from trinity fly pray if you don't believe in god pray meditate if you don't know how to meditate oh my god i don't know what to tell you to do i really don't learn to i'm out <laughs> With that being said, I can always say this. My door is always open to anybody who wants to, somebody to talk to. You can email the podcast. You can holler at me on Twitter. Anybody who has those type of issues, I'm always willing to talk to people. I don't have a problem with that because mm-hmm. I know when it gets dark and people need somebody to talk to, it can be hard to find somebody. I don't have a problem with talking to anybody about situations like that. Yeah, I, I don't feel we do either so you know we could be at all contacted yeah. you know through the mic drop um through the word press sites that we leave on the show you know 
you know, if you just need to talk to Trinity Fly Vision or, you know, Delvin, just reach out. You know, we'll make that time to talk to you. You know, don't get extra now. Because, you know, Trinity Fly had some scenarios where people got extra. And you know what extra is. Don't get extra. <laughs> we here to help. Okay. We ain't here to get extra. <laughs> they try to get help. So, you know, trying you to get, get extra. Like, they, they just try to get help. <laughs> they try to, they try to get just, some extra. They try to get some extra help. <laughs> Look, baby, you gotta be getting help. Alright, no extra. Oh, that's help, alright. <laughs> we gonna have to have that show too, man, because she gotta share that story that. She can share it in a way where it don't, you know, it won't hurt nobody. Yeah. But that shit gotta be shared, because that shit does boy. Some people in this world. I wanted to talk <laughs> to Trinity Fly about something for the, on another episode in particular. I'm just going to say this. Huh? What happened? Say it again. I want to talk to Trinity Fly on another episode about something that happened this week. I think we're going to save it for the next episode. All I'm going to say is this. She might know about it already. Trick Daddy. That's it. Okay. I'm quite Hmm. sure she know what happened. Well, if she didn't, we'll find out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go, talking about trick daddy. Dallas. He loves kids. Yeah. Daddy he he loves the kids, all right. <laughs> trick love kids. Oh, who? Shoot. Uh, all right. Okay. Yeah. We gonna make sure you remember that, y'all too. Yeah. Well, you are gonna be there too. It's like we are gonna kick you off the show. <laughs> it's like you're not gonna be there. I'm just saying, remember the time. Y'all remember that? Cause I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> Where the hell you going? <laughs> Well, you know, I got like three jobs. I'm about to be a real islander, boy. I'm about to pick up a third one. <laughs> cool runnings. You finna become yeah, part man. of the Jamaican bobsled team. They got eight jobs. <laughs> I'm quite sure nobody remembers Living Color that listens to this podcast. Oh, that's, that's, you know, don't make me cuss you out saying that, man. I'm guaranteed it. <laughs> you know how long Living Color was? And Living Color was at least 20 years ago. At okay, least. Man. That made the way for Mad TV. Which, which says yeah. that brought us up. That's part of our childhood right there. I'm trying to tell you. These millennials. What you talking about, dude? It still comes on TV. I record it. These millennials <laughs> do not know nothing about Living Color. They barely oh, know who 50 Cent is. They think he's the vitamin water guy. <laughs> that dude who sold vitamin water and it's true <laughs> it's true it's funny because it's true 50 getting mad on stage because people not knowing who he is yeah. they're, 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 their memory is short it's they just think Jay-Z is just Beyonce's husband they don't know about reasonable doubt and all that stuff. Whoa, point, yeah, true. Yeah, they're gonna learn. Yeah, they got to eventually. We're gonna make hopefully, sure. They learn. Hopefully, hopefully, next thing, hopefully, because they, you know, you see how they, you know, what I'm stop because this is gonna go into a whole other conversation. <laughs> Your podcast is gonna be going on and on and on. <laughs> with me. It was um. <laughs> I think it was Little Yahtzee, I think he said it was. 
The rapper, he said that uh, he made a comment that, oh, I don't know who no Tupac and Biggie is. I don't care about them niggas. I think it was wow. him who said that. Yeah, exactly. I don't even laugh at that. I look. Wow. I, like, huh? I, I want to make sure it was him, cause I don't want to just say it was him, but it don't be him. Look, that's a dumbass name. Let's just put it this way: hip hop is being so rewritten that the original faces of hip hop are not being recognized as their as the original faces, and there's new faces of hip hop now. And uh, I think I think this is going to be a podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to write this out. This one's going to bring quite quite a bit of controversy. I'm going to save it because this is going to be a controversial topic. Okay, save it. Save Don't worry, we're going to always have controversial topics. That seems like it's damn near every week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lil Yachty said. Drake is better than Tupac and Biggie. Yeah? yeah. He, he also That's said nice. he can't name five songs by Tupac or Biggie. Oh. I mean, he probably wasn't even born then. Exactly. I was saying, how, how old is he again? Probably like, how old is he? But that lets you know the type of people they're looking for in the industry today now. They have no knowledge of how it all began. The roots of it, they probably don't even. You know, they don't know that, you know. What I'm saying they don't know who African Bubada is and all of that is pointless. <laughs> if you don't know who Tupac and Big is, yo, you shouldn't even be doing music. <laughs> he is nineteen years Especially old. Especially if you're a rapper, if you call yourself a rapper. I think it's J Cole. J Cole has. I think it's J Cole. He has a song on his. Oh, how does it go? Oh, it's one of my favorites on on this track too. Let Nas down. How does it go? I can't sing it right now, but I know that song very well. Where he pretty much he has a joke in it, but it's not a joke when he says uh, Macklemore and Iggy. Oh, that's role like, models. Yeah, 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 yeah. That statement was very deep. Because when you're looking at the industry right now, real hip-hop and the real hip-hop artists are not being put in the forefront. And the face of hip-hop is being rewritten by faces like Macklemore and Amy. And these are, the, and these are the, who the youth now knows as their legends. And I think, shoot, I mean, they're, what, Eminem is probably their legend? And even some of these kids still don't know who Eminem is. Yeah. So. See, this this yeah. is my thing. I don't have a problem with Macklemore and Iggy because the fact that when we were coming up in hip-hop, you just had to be better than them. So you never worried about them. It was never an issue because, yeah, you had Eminem, but you also had Jay-Z and Nas. You also had 56. Mm-hmm. You also had Jada Kiss. You also had all these other great rappers, so it wasn't really an issue. Where you were like, oh. Yeah, like, yeah, you had a variety. You had a variety of awesome rappers. You had a tribe called Quest. So it didn't really matter if it was one great white rapper. We didn't care. Now, now, you have a lot of great white rappers, and you're like, oh, hip-hop's being taken over. No, it's not necessarily being taken over. It's just the quality of hip-hop has gone down so 
so much that the level of entry is almost anybody. The face of hip hop is changing now. Yeah. So it's pretty much where that's going. The face of hip hop is changing because now it's called mumble rap. Yeah. And they're calling each other babes. I don't know what's going on, but it's it's going downhill. The quality of the music is going down. We down. need to save all this for another show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is the topic. I, just, I know it. I know it. Uh, yeah, another show for sure. Yes. No, getting back on track. Mental health. <laughs> yes, that's what this show was about. That topic brings us right back to mental health. You see, see the hip hop industry. Yeah. It's just falling apart because the mental health. Of no, no, because <laughs> making me, it's making me lose my damn mind. That's why. These whack rappers making me lose my damn mind. Oh, I got these whack rappers with the mumble rap. and yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think they're depressed, and that's why they sound that way. And I think when we hear this form of hip-hop, it is a source of outreach, and they're reaching out, crying for help. And we don't understand it because they're mumbling. And that's how much they're crying and whining on the track. You get what I'm saying? And if you probably play it in slow motion, you probably understand what they were crying about and can help them. They garbage. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all>. <laughs> no, listen to that garbage no more. I can't do it. I've tried. Anyways, thank you for listening to the Mic Drop Podcast as always. You can find me on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox. You can follow the podcast at the Mic Drop Pod. Where can you find my man Vision at? Also, before that, you can go to the Mic Drop Pod 305 on IG as well. And you can find me on Twitter at IAMV underscore ZION, um, ReverbNation.com backslash VZION. But most importantly, the GCMG305.wordpress.com where you'll find pretty much everything. And also... Subscribe on iTunes. Yes, please. Give reviews. Like and share. Tell your friends. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Mic Drop Pod, and we are out. Deuces.